Well, good morning, everybody. Today, we are finishing the sermon series we started just a couple weeks ago, uh, where we've been going through master leader, really the characteristics that are to define us as leaders. Because after all, in some way, shape, or form, I don't care who you are, you are a leader in some capacity, whether that is in your home, or in your schools, or in your workplaces. That's a reality. So to kind of help develop good leadership skills, we've been looking at the characteristics that set apart Christian leaders. And by examining, of course, the leadership of uh, characteristics and actions of Jesus Christ, the premier master leader himself, I might add, we find that Christians are to be set apart in the way that they lead. The scriptures say that we are not to be from this world, we are to live in it though. And how we do that is by leading in the mold of Jesus Christ. So we are indeed to show leadership skills differently than the way the rest of the world works, right? We're not to be trampling on people as we climb up the ladder of success. No, we are to pull others alongside of us, even pushing people in front of us at times in spite of our own selfishness. We've gone over the last couple weeks why a master leader must be humble, why mentorship is so important. And last week we talked about why serving is extremely vital. And today we're going to finish up with what I like to call the glue that holds this whole sermon series together. Today we're going to examine why it's so important that a master leader has grit. Grit. In other words, we're going to talk about perseverance today. And specifically we're going to talk about perseverance in the face of apathy, something that we all struggle with, whether we like to admit it or not. So we're going to start off like we have been uh, this whole sermon series right up front with our core 52 verse of the week. This is one, though, I must admit, is near and dear to my heart. And it's near and dear to Pastor Jared's heart because, of course, it has to do with running. It's all about running today. Uh, Will you read along with me this week's verse, which is, of course, written by, uh, well, it's it's one giant long run-on sentence, which it seems like the Bible has a lot of those. Uh, And we're going to be in chapter 51 this week and reading out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. You may have heard this verse before, but we're going to try and memorize this long scripture this week. So you read along with me. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. Will you pray with me one last time? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be found holy and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, buckle in. Who's ready for endless running and marathon illustrations this morning? Woohoo! Yeah! I don't see too many eye rolls this morning. Uh, usually my dad jokes are the eye roll inducing ones, so I figure I'll start with the dad joke this morning. All right? I, I, I want to tell you that the, uh, the creek, uh, I, I, I call it a creek, but really the canal is just down the other way, is it not? Right? Okay, so has anyone been on the canal in a canoe or a kayak? right? I would, I would think almost all of us have been, okay, well, no fear. If you ever flip over 
your canoe in the canal, you have nothing to fear because it's perfectly shaped for your head because it's capsized when it's flipped out. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Sorry. I wanted to start off with a dad joke because I wanted to set the expectations real low because there's only one place to go when you're that low and it's up. So, all right, we're going to do it together this morning. All right. Well, many of you know that Pastor Jared and I absolutely adore long distance running. Uh, we tried to convince Pastor Brian once to run, and I think he openly laughed at us and uh, said some choice words. Uh, this fall, uh, I'm going to be running my eighth full-distance marathon in Detroit in October, and I'm doing it because I want to run my ninth full-distance marathon next April as I will be running in the Boston Marathon for the very first time in my life as I qualified last May. Now, just to kind of show you how crazy I am, and I mean that with the most sincere love in the world about myself, I adore running. This last week, I want to just give you a picture of what my week was like running. I ran 64 miles last week, which averages around to be about nine miles a day. Yesterday, I ran for two and a half straight hours. I got in my 20-mile long run. Thursday, when it was uh, 87 degrees out, I ran 12 miles, which was brutal because it was so hot out. And then Tuesday, I got in an 11-mile run, including 40 minutes at 6 minutes a mile for 40 straight minutes. That was my workout for the week. So anyways, yeah, some of those head shakes, I appreciate that, Amanda. Yeah, I'm dumb. Yeah, that's pretty much what you're saying. I, I know, it's insanity. I know, and quite frankly, I don't care. <laughs> it's what I love. I love running. It is my stress relief. And apparently I have a lot of stress I got to get out over the week, so that's why I run so much. But quite frankly, I love running. It's my hobby. It's me. I set all types of goals for myself and target times for these races that I want to run, of course. But I must admit something to you this morning. I love running. I do. You know that. However, there are periods of time in my life, even seasons of my life, years, days, weeks, where I have struggled to embrace running, even though I've loved it. I'll quit a run early. I've done that in the last month. I'll skip a run when I don't feel like it. To be quite honest, sometimes when you sit down on the couch after a long day at work, it's awfully comfy. You just don't feel like getting up. And that's a reality. Uh, there are times where I just, I don't feel it. I'm just kind of apathetic about it. I, I just can't find the internal motivation, and I just feel like I'm going through the motions, quite frankly, there's times where I'm tired and achy too. That might have to do with it. Or the cold and heat in Ohio isn't exactly great. But maybe for you, maybe for you, you don't feel apathy over running. Okay, maybe none of you feel apathy over running. That's okay too. But we all have moments in life, don't we, where apathy sets in, where we have to overcome it some way, shape, or how. And I don't care if you'll feel apathy in your favorite hobby like I do, or maybe it's at work, or maybe it's at school. <laughs> Senioritis, I think, is what it's called, isn't it? <laughs> we all fall into the apathetic syndromes, is what I like to call it, of life. These cycles where we just get tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again. For instance, maybe you're tired of your dead-end job, where you're showing up day after day, just going through the motions over and over again. Maybe you're tired of a dead-end relationship where you're just kind of marking time, marching in step as you're waiting for its inevitable conclusion. Maybe, maybe just maybe, you're sick and tired of your dead-end faith where your prayer life has gone stale, where you're just showing up on Sundays 
and maybe flipping through the uninspiring pages of the Bible. For some, you know, the curious thing for me when I think about apathy, though, is there are some people, when apathy hits, they succumb. They quit. They just give up when person, when you, instead of persevering through. And yet, when we look at our scriptures, when we look at the world around us, we see others, when apathy hits, they overcome it. They push through. They quietly plod along in life until they hit their stride once. Again, why is that? Why does apathy sink in to some and some people overcome it? What causes a person to keep running the race that is set before them, as it says in our memory verse for this week? What has someone persevere over obstacles? You know, Mark Moore, he points it out in the chapter this week in Core 52 that what helps you get over these obstacles is grit. Our theme of the week, grit. Grit, it's the ability to, for, of a person to persevere through apathy, to overcome apathy. Now, I would argue that it's extremely vital for a master leader, and here's the reason why. Without grit, leaders would just give up when the going gets tough. That's the reality. That's a, we are hardwired to give in to apathy as human beings. We've all heard the cliche saying, haven't we, over the years, that actions speak louder than words, right? Now, if you're a leader, and to remind you, we're all leaders in some way, shape, or form, if you start off on a task as a leader and the going gets tough and you just give up, what does that say to the people that you're mentoring? What does that say to your children? What does that say to your, to your coworkers? Who does that, you know, classmates? Who, what does that say to them? So really this morning, what I'm hoping to show you is how we can gain a little more grit, perseverance, especially when the inevitable bumps in the roads come, because they're coming, friends. There are going to be times when you get stuck in a rut. And instead of stalling out and quitting and just getting stuck in the mud like that, how do you pick your feet up again and get moving as we run the race of life. Well, friends, I think the good news for today is we have to look no further than our core 52 scripture that we're supposed to memorize this week. Did you notice that at the very beginning of our scripture that uh, uh, the unnamed author of Hebrews, he starts off by saying, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I had to stop this week as I read through that and go, Who's this great cloud of witnesses that this author is talking about? Who are these people that we're supposed to look to to help us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us? Who are these people? Well, what we didn't read this morning and what I want to kind of highlight is the immediate verse, verse and chapter before Hebrews 12. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite favorite chapters in the entirety of the Bible. I love Hebrews 11. I highlight, the whole thing is highlighted in my Bible back at home with like four different colored pencils and highlighters. And because Hebrews 11 is affectionately known as the Christian Hall of Fame. Now, just to show you that we do a little bit of planning with our sermon series, we wanted to highlight the Hall of Fame the week here in Stark County that we are celebrating the Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement, of course. And Hebrews 11, it just does a fantastic job of explaining how these enshrined Hall of Famers of our faith, these patriarchs and matriarchs, how they are leaders who show grit, who persevere when the going 
gets tough. We know their stories already. Before we get to the book of Hebrews, we know their stories, but you don't see the running theme in the early stories until this author kind of weaves it all together. Here, I want you to pay close attention to the first couple of verses here in Hebrews that I'm reading because it gives a great definition of faith, which is what holds everything together. I'm going to be reading out of the message this morning. The translation goes like this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. That's that's awesome. I love that translation of the verse. That's why I wanted to do the message. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Once again, this is what sets us apart as master leaders, as Christians. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word, what we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain, the brothers. It was what he believed, what Abel believed. It wasn't what he brought that made the difference to God. That's what God noticed and approved as righteousness. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. By an act of faith, it was Enoch who skipped death completely. They looked all over and couldn't find him because God had taken him we know that on the, uh, on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, he pleased God. That's what it says in the Genesis story. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. Think about that for a second. And why? It's because anyone who approaches God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. I, I mean, it continues to go on. Hebrews 11 goes on and on. It goes through Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, these, these incredible leaders of our faith. But mind you, none of these leaders of our faith were perfect. We know the stories. They all messed up in some way, shape, or form, right? But guess what? Just because they weren't perfect doesn't mean they couldn't persevere when they got hit with those obstacles in life. They had the grit to overcome because of the one thing that weaves their stories all together. And it's all because they had unwavering faith in God. That's it. That's how we acquire more grit in this life. It's to have faith when it makes no sense to have faith. (laughs) That's how we acquire more grit and perseverance. That's the key. To place your faith in a God who is good, who is love, who is perfect, who is steadfast, who is peace, who is powerful. That is the most motivating factor that we can have in this life for internal motivation. Because friends, know this. If you are doing something and you're stuck in a rut, if, you, if you're tired of just going through the motions in life, friends, you don't have the right internal motivation. That's what I would argue. You need the right internal motivations. And friends, the right internal motivations for life if you don't have it, you're going to succumb to apathy. It's, it's in our human nature to do so. I said it earlier. We see it every day. We see people who are so willing to cut corners and to take shortcuts selfishly, and your faith is no different. How many times do we not pray like we should? I know I, know I don't. <laughs> How many times do we don't go into worship with the right sense of attitude 
up here. We make our to-do lists for the day during the sermons, and there's some weeks that I don't blame you. <laughs> we show up maybe every other week or maybe just like once a month. We, we fall into this rut at so many times in our faith. And our memory verse, it points out that the only way that you can get the right internal motivation in life is by looking at Jesus Christ. Having faith in God and placing faith in Jesus Christ is the only way that you can persevere in this life. We are to be looking to Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and thus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's only, friends, by setting our sight on Jesus. And I mean both externally with our eyes, but also internally with our hearts. Only by orienting yourself in the place of Jesus Christ can you really find the internal motivation to overcome the obstacles and hurdles in life. He's the one who motivates us to live a worthy life. That's what Jesus does. He motivates us. He does. A life so that we can have a life that's free of apathy and is instead full of grit. Now, I must, I must admit, I can't, I can't start with a running illustration and not end with a running illustration. That's who I am. I got, I got to have, but I don't want to tell you a story about myself. I'm already conceited enough I, 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 and selfish enough. I, I want to put the focus on someone else this morning. You know, I want to tell a story about a person who illustrates grit like none other. And let me tell you why. It's my good friend. Her name's Catherine Herman. She's uh, right up there on that balcony. You can say hi to her after worship as I embarrass her. Uh, just a little bit, two months ago, she changed her last name. So if you don't know her by her new married name, her maiden name was Schroeder, Catherine Schroeder. Catherine is uh, what Matthew West, the amazing music uh, Christian artist, says. Catherine is a living, walking, breathing miracle. Catherine was born with a heart defect which required five open-heart surgeries and uh, 20 or so more minor surgeries uh, over the first 20-some-odd years of her life. Now, I put it minor in quotes because there is no minor when it comes to surgery, in my opinion, but whatever. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, Catherine's had a couple of hurdles and obstacles in her life. Uh, they're less speed bumps or uh, the short hurdles you see that uh, runners go through in race, they're more like mountains, is what I like to call them. <laughs> sure, I want to point out that it's the physical implications of the health problems that were, first and foremost, what comes to everybody's mind when they look at Catherine and her story. But friends, I want to highlight the mental toll that having a ticking time bomb inside your chest must have been like. And I said must have been like because Catherine's heart was nursed physically, and metaphorically across the finish line about a year ago. Catherine had a heart transplant a year ago through the Cleveland Clinic that changed her life in unimaginable ways. Now Catherine's joined, you see, the official club of runners. That's right, she's a bona fide endurance athlete. And I love it so much because I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to run and finish a race with her. And as Catherine actually ran towards the finish line, it was something I don't take for granted because not only do I not take the fact that Catherine is even in my life because of her health complications, but the fact that she couldn't even walk a few steps without getting winded before her heart transplant, now she's running at the end of races. Think about that. Story is incredible, no doubt. It's the miracle of God on full display. 
But you know at the root of the story? It's grit. It's the grit from a young lady who just doesn't know how to give up or give in. Where does that come from? Where, where does the grit of Catherine come from? If you ask her, she'll tell you it comes from the stubbornness of her mother, at least partially. <laughs> but it also comes from a good God. A God who never abandons or forsakes or forgets about you and me. A God whose love is so grand that he sends the Son of Man down not to, not to be a runner, but to be a sacrificial lamb. That's who our God is. Don't you see it? God is the only internal motivation you'll ever need to live a life that is worthy. It's all you need. Let that be the thought that is resounding in your head and in your heart and in your souls this morning. Nothing else will ever compete with that. So put your faith, friends, this morning in a God that makes mountains into molehills, as Rachel sang earlier. And he turns all of us, even if we don't like it, into runners. Amen.